it was kind of surreal. I was there just after the earthquake. We have all the aftershocks. And I could see all the chaos and destruction. Why I should continue to live if all this have to happen to me? Bienvenue, or welcome. I'm your host, Leslie Friday. Thank you for listening to Voices of Haiti, a Partners in Health podcast that shares the stories of our Haitian colleagues as they reflect on the January 12, 2010 earthquake. Before we start, I want to give a quick update on some exciting news that happened since our last broadcast. Zamila Sante, as Partners in Health is known in Haiti, recently learned that University Hospital in Mirabalay earned accreditation as a teaching institution. Since the hospital opened in 2013, more than 120 residents have graduated from its medical education programs, and another 116 are currently enrolled. Among the graduates is Dr. Philip Dimitri Enries, an emergency medicine physician featured in our second episode. A key champion of all this work is someone who has been with Zamila Sante since its founding more than three decades ago. My name is Lunview, and I'm the executive director of Zamila Sante, Partners in Health in Haiti. Luna's received a number of honors and awards, including the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Award. Last year, she was the first Haitian civilian to address the United Nations Security Council, urging members to pay greater attention to the rights of women and girls in Haiti. But if you ask Loon about her proudest accomplishment, it's safe to say she'd name Zanmi Beni. Zanmi Beni, which is Creole for Blessed Friends, is a children's home built in the wake of Haiti's devastating 2010 earthquake. Loon was in Haiti when the earthquake struck, more specifically Port-au-Prince, the country's capital, and the epicenter of the disaster. I was there during the earthquake, and um, first of all, we're not familiar with earthquakes in Haiti, so most of us, uh, including myself, and, um, we didn't know it was an earthquake. When we realized that it was okay, and then we have all the aftershocks. I was in Port-au-Prince. The first thing I did, I said, let me go to the general hospital, see if we can help people. And when I get there, I saw the executive director of the hospital, and I said, how can I help? And he said, go find the kids, go to the pediatric uh, ward and find what happened to the kids. And I did. I went there and I, and I found 38 kids abandoned. 38 children. Many of them were disabled, and all were orphaned or abandoned. Luckily, they had not been injured, but they were hungry, thirsty, and terribly alone. The kids were like, so scared, and, and I went back to, to find the director and said, I, I, I found the kids, they were they, they, they're scared, and I said, take them out. And I said, okay, and I took them out, 38 of them. When he said to me, take the kids, I don't even know that if he knew what he meant by that, you know. And, uh, but for me, it was like my responsibility to take care of those kids, which I did. Now I feel responsible for Over time, Loon took more children into Zami Beni so that the home has since doubled in size. For convenience's sake, they all share a last name, Beni, as in blessed, and Loon's birthday, 
March 17th. I'm the legal guardian of the 64 kids and young adults, ages from um, 7 to 26. And, and we have like a, a home for them. And now we have a family, Zami Beni, where they feel safe and they get everything they need, uh, education, food, and, and the social the support um, that they need. I like to think that I'm raising the next generation of citizens, <laughs> you know, like making sure that they're kind to each other, they have everything they need to succeed. Some children attend the on-site school, while others are driven by bus to schools in the neighboring community. A number of the children live with severe disabilities, so Loon has planned a variety of activities for them throughout the week and adapted the home to meet their needs. We have a music lesson for them. We have some musicians in there. We have a workshop, so they go to do the furniture and bakery. Oh, yes, we have uh, some cooks, some chefs, uh, some, uh, and we have a little restaurant there, so we have some of the kids, they work at the restaurant. Zanmi Beni also has ample space for the kids to run free. There's a playground, petting zoo, and library. And most importantly for some of the kids, there are soccer fields where at least one future World Cup star is practicing daily. So the soccer, the Mika, she's, she's only nine, so she still <laughs> has a long way to go. And, uh, but we have Peter, who's a photographer, and uh, he was just two weeks ago, he was just uh, enrolled in medical school in Haiti. So we have um, uh, Niftali, she's 14, so she does uh, jewelry. The bracelet and but we know that I know that there's a group that they're not gonna because they're so disabled they'll always be with us so they're not going anywhere so we we're trying to accompany them as much as much as we can with like physical therapy and and making sure they they know that they love and often I ask the kids what what they want to be when they grow up or we have a Everything from everybody, you know, from medical, from uh, um, teachers, from engineer, from pilot, and <laughs> so they all want to be something, you know. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to have this opportunity to to be what they want to be. <laughs> Zami Benny is one among a long list of responsibilities loon shoulders on a daily basis. She leads a dynamic team that works tirelessly every day to bring health care to some of the most marginalized people. They are miracle workers, creatively addressing old problems with new solutions and doing so on a shoestring budget. One of our big challenges is we don't have enough money to do all the things we have to do. People are getting poor where we work, you know. So I feel like we need to do more and more every year. We have to rethink how we how we do fundraising because we understand that people, it's not like they have to give, spend their life giving to, to BIH, but at the same time, the needs are greater where we work. And um, so we need to find a way to be able to, to accompany either the, the, the people, the communities where we work. believe the mission that we said that we get to save lives so any if um, I'm just thinking that how many lives we're not gonna save if we don't get the oxygen if we don't get the fuel and so that's motivating me that's my motivation
ourselves, Haiti, or as part of the globe. We should care about each other. What's happening in Haiti, the, the, the um, disaster, the climate, and the, it, will, it will have an impact on, on the globe. So we need to think global. Realize that there's some people who will never touch, you know, like with our history, with our stories. But um, but there, there are a lot of people, there are generous people out there. They were looking for a way to help. I want to um, spend a special thanks to all our donors and supporters because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do the work what we're doing in, in Haiti, Africa, and. Um, we couldn't do it without our supporters. So they are part of our lives because every day we wake up and I wake up and be able to do this. It's thanks to you here and, and thanks to our supporters. Continue to learn and explore more stories about Zamila Sante and PIH by visiting pih.org backslash Haiti. You can also join the PIH supporters Loon just mentioned by donating today. Follow Voices of Haiti on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcast. As always, thank you for listening and talk to you again on the next episode.